Do you think stereotypes are true? Asian being small, black being big, and white being in the middle. Scary movies and sex. Why do you think there is such a strong crossover between fear and eroticism? Why do you think guys are so self-conscious about their cocks? Welcome to Sweet Release. Welcome back. Today I am doing an Ask Me Anything episode. I have quite a few questions to get through today. I figured we would just do a longer episode um, since I took a break last week for the holidays. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday week and yeah, happy holidays. Can't believe it's fucking almost December. My goodness. So let's get started. The first question I have is, from your perspective, do you think the conversation around sexuality has improved over the years and what areas still need work? So sexuality is such a, a broad topic, but I do think, yeah, of course it has improved a little bit over the years, but I, I, I generally think it needs so much more work. Sexuality in terms of sexual health, I think is the place where we need the most help, <laughs> you know, education, teaching the youth. I find that so many schools and, and health programs, they don't teach about pleasure. They don't teach about the, the pleasure spots and the erogenous zones. They teach about the anatomy and the internal anatomy and how we make babies and how that whole thing works. And I feel like focusing on the pleasure, focusing on where these spots are to induce pleasure and understand your body and how it works and how to communicate when things come up in relationships in sexual relationships. I think a lot of us had sex at such a young age. I had a girls night not long ago where we were sharing our, our stories of when we lost our virginity and it was like 14, 15 years old. And nowadays people are even being introduced to sex and pleasure far before that. And so I think it's really important for us to to recognize that educating the youth about how to give your body, your own body pleasure first is so important. Understanding the anatomy of your body, of all the different types of bodies that exist in the world and that it's not binary. There's so many different body types. And so it's important to you know, know that. And, and I really think in ways that it should be better is just in education. I think normalizing pleasure is my main goal and talking about these taboo topics that we're still so fearful to talk about. I think a lot of adults, a lot of parents, a lot of teachers are still scared to talk about pleasure and talk about sex. And I think sexuality is, is all about that. It's about gender. It's about health. It's about so many different facets of our body. And I think by normalizing those conversations, that's when you really find the root of making these kids feel comfortable and talking about it in a way that is divine. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, we thought that we should kiss the person because that's just what we see in movies. And we thought that we should, you know, let him touch us here because that's just what we saw in the movies. But really it's talking about consent. It's talking about how to have conversations in relationships that come up that things that make you feel uncomfortable or just understanding the sensations on your body and the feelings that come through your body and how to understand those and move through those and in the ways that our brain works. Our brain responds to pleasure in such a magnitude of ways, you know, with the 
increase of our blood pressure, of course, and adrenaline, but it's also these chemicals are released in our brain and the reward center, and it's just this big epicenter of pleasure. And so it's really important to understand that part as well. And I just don't think that that is happening enough. <laughs> so that's where I would say that I think we need a lot of work is just educating the youth first and ourselves. You know, I watched a TikTok the other day of all these people that didn't even know where the clitoris was. And now I feel like that, I don't know if that's fully true. Like, of course, there were a lot of people that didn't know where it was, but I think it's just recognizing that there's still so many people that are so uneducated about sexuality. And so to just continuously educating those younger generations, I think is a great place to start. Okay, next question. Do girls mind talking about details of every sexual encounter they have had with a boyfriend? I think that depends. I think, you know, some of us like me <laughs> love sharing, love being open, but that doesn't mean we haven't hurt people's feelings in the process. That doesn't mean we haven't crossed people's boundaries. I think it's really important to understand that a lot of us are very empathetic people. And so we take note in your feelings. So maybe we don't want to share upfront right away how previous sexual encounters have happened or previous sexual relationships that we've had because we're worried about your feelings. We're worried about hurting you or crossing those boundaries. And so do, do we, do girls mind talking about details of every sexual encounter they have had? I think some of us do mind. I think some of us are cautious of that. I think a lot of us are comfortable about sharing. I think it comes um, from the partner if that partner is curious about learning about your past experiences, then yeah, we, we might be more willing to open up and share. But I think that just comes with the dialogue and the feelings and, and just, yeah, how it feels when those conversations are coming up. You know, a lot of us hold sex so private to us and close to us. And, and so some people just open up about little small things and so I think, you know, again, it's just a spectrum. And I think wherever you are on that spectrum is totally fine. Why do you think guys are so self-conscious about their cocks? Well, I do feel like self-conscious is, a, a lot of us are just self-conscious about so many different things. I think cocks in general, like dick size, or just because that is the part that gives partners pleasure, it can hold a lot of weight. And so I think it's really common for people to feel that weight and to feel insecure about that area because it's such a big part. Just like people, just like a lot of vulva owners are really self-conscious about the way their vulva looks. I think by normalizing that and just making people aware that we're all unique and different and that is totally fine, then I just think that's gonna lead us into a more accepting and positive world. I have another self-conscious question. Do you ever get self-conscious about the way you look during sex? So yes, again, I think we all have areas of our body that we're self-conscious about. And so, yeah, I sometimes, I have a mirror next to my bed because I do look love looking at my body. I think that helps with body positivity and just turning me on and kind of feeling like an exhibitionist and even like a little bit of a voyeur. So I feel like there are times when I see myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> certain areas they might trigger you or you'd be like, oh, that doesn't look good. So I think we're all on the same boat where there's moments where we do feel insecure. We do feel self-conscious about our bodies. But this next question, similar to confidence and gaining that confidence is, I was 
cheated on and have lost all confidence in the bedroom. So how do I go about getting my confidence back? So in regards to losing that confidence or feeling insecure about certain body parts, I think, you know, bringing light to those areas of our body that we do feel insecure about is important. You know, bringing light to those areas of darkness, I think is important, you know, accepting that we don't love that part of us. I think that's okay. I think creating mantras really helped me when I was in a dark time was just reading those every morning or having them next to my bedside table or having them on sticky notes on my mirror and just reminding myself, kind of reframing my mindset and reminding myself like, yes, I am this divine, beautiful sexual goddess. Yes, I love this part of my body or yes, this makes me rare and unique, you know, things like that where you get to read those every day and remind yourself and it kind of reframes your mindset when that consistently happens, consistency happens on a daily basis. Now, in terms of also kind of gaining that confidence back, just remind yourself that because you were cheated on, that has nothing to do with you. That is not your fault. It really has nothing to do with you. And so I think that's really important to remember too, is because you were cheated on, that's not because of you. That's not because of your sexual energy that has nothing to do with you. And so just remind yourself of that maybe work on these positive um, affirmations or mantras and create some that you could help bring back that confidence. But ultimately, start becoming in tune with your body first. You know, that really helps build that confidence. Touch your body. Recognize those areas that make you feel good. In order to feel confident in the bedroom with a partner or a lover, you have to first understand your body. And I think so many of us just resort to feeling pleasure with someone else and we forget how important it is to start from here and then move outwards. And similarly, like I said, with sexuality and education, it's like, let's teach each other how to touch ourselves first and how to hit all those pleasure spots and how there's such an array of pleasurable zones on our body that exist, and then allow someone to come into that. Because Introducing another body, another person is not only more feelings, but it's also just another level of intimacy and connection. And that can be very sensitive for some of us. And, and so it's just important to do that. So I hope, you know, you know, being cheated on is the worst feeling in the world to, to this person that said this. So, you know, it's okay to have put some walls up. I think it's okay to understand that you know, you, you have maybe lost a little bit of confidence, but again, doing some of those words of affirmation and reminding yourself that this is not your fault at all, that nothing that your partner did to you was your fault. And just bringing like positive energy into the parts of your body that you do enjoy. You know, a lot of us have parts of us that we really do love. And so reminding us of those areas, accepting those areas that we don't love as much, but also bringing light and energy into those parts that we do love and exemplifying those areas can really help you also get that confidence back. Next question, me and my partner, girlfriend, fiance, soon to be wife, <laughs> need your assistance. And then they also say like support, suggestions, advice, help, tips, tricks, ideas, info, opinions, thoughts, feedback, you need it all. I'm here for you. So basically this person, this is a long, it was a pretty long email. So I'm just going to um, paraphrase, but basically this person's partner, she has a fetish for his belly, belly button. And he's saying where my belly button sticks out a tiny bit on my belly. 
and I have an Audi and she's obsessed with it. She wants to mess around with mine, tease it, play around with it. Different ways, especially with her tongue, by licking it. She wants to poke and prod it with her fingers, nibble, just all these things that she wants to do. But you also say, he says, I want this to work out, but my belly button and surrounding skin are very highly sensitive and ticklish to touch. And my belly in general is highly sensitive to touch. And so he's just like, where do we go from here? I don't know how to properly communicate this to her about having highly sensitive skin. And I'm really just self-conscious over my belly button as well because of having an Audi belly button in general. How do I communicate this to her? Well, you know, I would start with, you know, you communicated this very, very well, you know, with a lot of detail. And so I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I think, you know, a lot of these initial questions are about body confidence and and self-conscious feelings and insecurities. And so like I gave advice in these previous questions, you know, the first thing is, is, you know, accept that maybe that's a part of your body that you don't love, but bringing light to that area can feel really good. So I am, uh, I, I love photography. If you follow me on Patreon or Instagram, you know, like I love photography. It's a part, I, I feel like it's a really creative outlet that feels really good and can really help you lead to more positive body affirmations and just more body positivity. And so what I might encourage you to do, if this feels right and it resonates, is to take pictures of your belly button. See how that makes you feel. If that's too much for you, if that's like, no way, I don't even want to do that, then don't. Please (laughs) respect your boundaries. But sometimes taking pictures of certain areas of your body where you do feel like are a little bit self-conscious can bring some energy into them that you never really thought existed. And I also think, you know, one of the sexiest models and women that I love, she was also a writer, she has an Audi belly button. And it's just so unique and beautiful. So I think just also recognizing that our bodies are so unique in the way that they are is really special to remind ourselves of that. And it's okay that you have an Audi belly button. That's really not that rare. And so I think it's just, you know, all of our belly buttons are created differently. And I think that's just important to maybe bring some light and energy to that area. And that might make you feel really good about it. Plus your partner loves it. So in regards to moving more towards this fetish and this kink that she has and how to explore that properly, you know, first, I think it's important to communicate with her that you are sensitive there. Tell her that you are self-conscious of your belly button. I think that's important to say. And because this is a kink of hers, she has to be cautious and, and recognize that there's some sensitivity there when it comes to sensations, but also when it comes to your, your mind and, and how you feel. And so just, just mention that to her first before you begin exploring. And then in regards to what to do, I mean, this is a, an erogenous zone. Our belly buttons, our bellies, just like nipples are and just like you know, the groin area, that's an erogenous zone. And so it makes sense that it feels good for a lot of people. So whether, you know, similar to like my nipple pleasure episode, which I'll link here, you know, there's different methods like flicking or yeah, moving your finger around and nibbling and, and squeezing, like that can all feel really good. If you feel like really ticklish, then maybe temperature play, like ice cubes could be fun or putting a vibrator in the freezer or playing with some 
different temperature loops could be really fun. You know, food as well could be fun. Obviously, if this is a sensitive zone, I don't want you to like start breaking out. And so just be mindful of what foods to incorporate and if that's something that you're interested in, because then she can just lick it up and maybe that would be less intense for you sensation wise. Now, I also encourage if people want to explore sensation play, and that's what this is, is a form of sensation play. It's also just fetishizing this like part, a body part, which is very common for a lot of people. So, um, but when you are exploring certain body parts or certain sensation activities, feathers are really great places to start. Um, even just vibrators, having a vibrator around there, just kind of heightening those those um, nerve endings around that area can feel really good. And, you know, take it slow. I think it's really important to recognize what sensations come up for you and how it's feeling on your body. If it's too much, if you don't want her to, you know, make belly farts and, and be really aggressive with you, then don't do that. Like figure out other ways where you guys can overlap. You know, a lot of times with partnerships, sometimes Really just finding that, that area in the middle that you can connect on. Some of us are a little bit more kinkier than others, and some of us are a little bit more sensual. And so just having this open dialogue with your partner, letting them know what things that you're comfortable with having her do to you, and then maybe like boundaries and understanding things that don't feel good and things that like push your boundary too far and finding that sweet spot in the middle. But Listen, you're doing the right thing by coming to me first, and, and I really appreciate your openness and your vulnerability. I would just approach this conversation with her more and let her know that you are insecure about this area. Maybe bring some light into that area with my advice that I gave earlier. And then just, you know, take it slow, baby steps, and just continuously communicating throughout. Definitely. Thank you for asking. Can you speak on the desire, but the conflict? So this desire conflict of engaging in this type of play with someone who is just a fuck buddy that doesn't really want more from you. And they just want to use you for sex. This like mindset and type of connection. Yeah, so, you know, similar to before when I was talking about putting those walls up, this is kind of that mindset or just desire as well of, you know, having these walls up. Maybe, maybe you just got broken hearted just got your heart broken. You don't really want to fall for someone right now. You don't, that doesn't feel possible for you. You're healing, you're working on yourself, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be experiencing pleasure. So yeah, a lot of us during certain parts of our times of our lives, we have turned off our humanity, which is the Vampire Diaries reference, but we've turned off our humanity. We're kind of like a little bit more focused on the pleasure. We're not focused on the intimate connection and the growth between these connections. We really just want to experience pleasure and that's it. But if you're the person that's giving off this energy, just be open and upfront about it. I think it's the worst feeling in the world to be on that receiving end where, you know, you have this intimate connection with someone and it wasn't spoken about that this person is just in this kind of free exploration phase or not looking for anything. Like I think it's really important as you start dating and welcoming people into your space to be so upfront and transparent. That is just so crucial and that will avoid hurting people's feelings down the road. So if you are on 
the side where you just want to fuck and that's all you want, just be open about it. If someone's coming into your bedroom or you're going into theirs, let them know before you get naked together because we all have different boundaries and some of us aren't cool with that. So like on the other side of it, you know, some of us do have boundaries. Some of us need more. Some of us want more and some of us are looking for more than just sex. And, you know, our brain reacts so, so much when we do have intercourse with ourselves and with other people that it can really be a good reminder that you might feel this like strong, deep connection and bond to want to bond with this person. But if that person maybe told you that all they want is sex, then just remind yourself, like, even though you're having this bonding hormone release experience, that that is just what's happening that will go away. And so if you are willing to accept that of the exchange and just recognize that feeling and, you know, accept it and move on. I think it's also important to recognize your own feelings and sensations that come up for you. And if it is too much for you, then just don't do it. We get stuck in these more casual flings and a lot of us aren't comfortable with the casualness of it. And we do want more. And so again, just, just recognizing that I think you worded this so perfectly because it is this like mindset. It is this desire. And some of us really do crave just this kind of, um, yeah, we're just not ready, I think is also what it is. I think there's a level of maturity that comes with it too, or just like a a level of awareness. Like in my younger years, I wasn't fully present and aware when I was having sex. And so I really wasn't even fully capable of experiencing that deeper connection. In Australia, when I was living there, when I was abroad and traveling and experiencing life, I also like was not expecting to fall in love, but I did. But I was in this very, I don't know, floaty mindset too, where I was traveling. I was moving around every couple months. And so every person that I had sex with, I was like, hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing, just so you know. Like, you know, it helped that I was an American. So they kind of understood that. But it's just like having that conversation up front can be really beneficial and it really helps you avoid conflict. So again, just communicating that. I think that's the biggest takeaway with this question is communicate what you want and what you need and understand your desires and be comfortable saying no. If this is not for you, then just say no. So the next question is what happened with your relationship in Australia with the guy that you mentioned being hot? You're a babe. He would be silly to let you go. (laughs) Thank you. How did you move on from that? It sounded like you stayed for the wrong reasons. Sounds like my last relationship. I'm still healing from it. XX. Thank you for sharing. You know, the first thing I want to mention is healing from past relationships takes so much time. I feel like I sometimes feel like I'm still healing from past relationships. So it's important. I'm glad you recognize that. You know, it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy to move through that, especially if there was trauma and and just if, you know, you got really heartbroken or were really in love or really pictured a life together, you know, it can, it can take a lot of time. So, you know, this relationship, there were two sexy men (laughs) that I met in Australia. Um, the, The first one was someone that I wasn't expecting to fall in love with, but I did. And he kind of made that second one that I think is the one you're talking about because I did stay for the wrong reasons. And, and he's the one that I wrote about on my website. And so he, 
yeah, he didn't let me go. I mean, I was the one that kind of let him go. I mean, of course, living abroad, you always feel like you're the one leaving. Um, but with him, you know, I was still so in love with that first man and he was kind of the one that got away. Um, that second one was a deep, deep love. But again, I was still, still like, you know, kind of doing whatever I wanted. I, I was pretty, um, committed to seeing him several times a week and he was so in love with me and I loved him, but I wasn't as in love with him as he was in love with me. And I think that's really the biggest, um, like you said, staying for the wrong reasons. You know, I was, that's the biggest problem that we find in relationships is you stay because it's comfortable. You stay because the sex is good. You stay because he takes you out to nice dinners and, and he makes you feel really good and he treats you like a queen and he loves you. He's so in love with you. And so it's really hard to let go of that, especially when you're in a different country and you don't know a lot of people and, and you're, you know, also trying to get over a past ex. And so you're trying to distract your mind or a past experience or past relationship. And, and so it's, it's, really important I think in these situations to when you're in a relationship with someone and you know that something's missing that you have that flag in your mind where you like you know something's missing I can't really put my finger on what it is but I can just tell that this person isn't really fully my person again communicate you know I've met so many couples or even friends that are in relationships where I can see that there's something about them you know there's something about it where they feel like they can't fully commit they can't fully dive in head first because maybe you know whatever it is it's just that person's not your person so I think being aware of that and recognizing that and not stringing people along along is so important and you know I did this with this sexy man <laughs> Um, in Melbourne, you know, I, I really loved him. I loved being with him and he, you know, was a big part of my travels and my experiences, but there was something about him that I just felt like, you know, he just loved me so much more than I loved him. And I, I felt, I was saddened by the fact that I couldn't receive that into his magnitude. And so I finally did tell him, you know, that this is, that this is all that this is going to be. And I hope that you can accept that. And he was on board. He understood. He kind of knew already. So I think it's just important just to know that sometimes when we have these feelings, don't reject them. Don't start, don't continue trying to figure it out when this feeling is loud and clear. <laughs> you know, some of us, we just don't want to hurt people's feelings and we get caught up in, in just feeling good in the moment. But if there's like a sticking flag or a, just a sticking feeling in your mind that keeps moving forward at the forefront of this relationship, then I really encourage you to listen to that and tell that person, just tell them there's something missing here. I don't know what it is, but I just don't think I can get there with you fully. And I'm here now. This is what I'm comfortable giving you. This is where I'm at, but this is like all I'm able to give right now. That's what I would recommend. And thanks again for your question. And I wish you the best on your healing journey. Like it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a fucking village. <laughs> and um, yeah, you, you'll get through it though. You will. Next. I think I have a rejection kink, if that's even a thing. I thought he felt the same way, but read it wrong. I thought the sex was amazing and the love was mutual. 
I masturbated a lot when we broke up. I noticed you mentioned this. I got turned on. I get turned on feeling rejected now. I'm navigating this alone. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. I know it can feel so lonely, especially when you go through breakups and feel rejected. Um, the first thing I'll mention, um, you know, masturbating a lot when you break up. Yeah, a similar, I similarly went through a pretty traumatic breakup where I also felt rejected, but I also felt like it was the right thing. But I was also so confused and lost and depressed and, and lonely. And, and so masturbating for me was, was the way that I felt alive, was the way that I felt connected to my body. Touching yourself and masturbating can be a really great way to feel connected again, to distract your mind from the depressive state you might be in. You know, a lot of us um, feel really lonely and and scared and just like heavy emotionally. And so by connecting away from our brain and what's going on there and feeling the sensations of our body can be really healing. So I think that's what you're talking about. I know I've touched on that time where I masturbated a bunch and, and, you know, it was question questionable if it was healthy or not, you know, it wasn't keeping me from my job or my friends, but it was an aggressive amount, like 20 orgasms a day, um, for a short period of my life. And so it just, um, was something that I really leaned on in that time. And so I do encourage self-pleasure. I do figuring out those boundaries in the healthy way to explore it. Definitely. But in terms of this rejection kink, you know, feeling rejected can be explored in so many ways. Perhaps you do now feel this desire or this, um, erotic pleasure when it when you think of being rejected and I think there's really healthy ways to explore that I think you can even explore that by yourself like if every day you have a coffee if that's just your routine maybe you decide to not give yourself coffee today you reject yourself you know maybe that will like edge you and give you some sort of um pleasure throughout the day or to then, you know, edge yourself and lead you to some form of peak or arousal later on in the day when you can finally maybe get your coffee or whatever it is. So figuring out ways to maybe explore that kink personally can be really fun. Also role play, like if you are experiencing or meeting someone new or have a new lover or partner in your life, tell them like, you know what, this is something that just started recently really turning me on. I would love if we could explore this together and really figure out what turns you on the most. Is it that feeling of being rejected? If so, form a role play, write a script, figure out ways for you to create the scene and that feels really good for you and what turns you on the most. But also recognizing what turns you on the most, you know, understanding your body, understanding the cues, you know, understanding why it feels so good. You know, understanding our kinks is so crucial before we explore them. You know, sometimes it's good to just let go and submit and release into your, you know, out of your mind and into your body. But other times that can be really overwhelming. And so I do encourage you to just kind of like sit with it for a little while, figure out why it feels so good. Is the the ex-partner a catalyst to this? Is this something you now crave? You know, our brain works in mysterious ways. And so when our brain is experiencing, like when your brain experienced this rejection and you felt so much pleasure around this rejection, now is that what your brain is craving because of that? You know, that can be very highly probable, of course, like it makes sense. But understanding the why and the root 
can also help you experience it in a, in a more um, just welcoming and, and positive way. You know, you're feeling alone right now. So I just want to make sure that as you're healing through this past breakup, that you're also taking note of um, taking care of yourself and, and holding yourself and and being kind to yourself as you move through this exploration phase. And maybe you're not ready to explore. Maybe you just need to focus on yourself right now and healing and then and maybe be more introspective on this kink and and this feeling of being rejected and how it's making you feeling like eroticized um, and just feelings of pleasure. And so I would just focus on yourself right now and and again, maybe give yourself this rejection playtime in by yourself first before exploring with a partner. But again, um, role play is a good way to do that. You know, even toys, like allowing yourself to like edge yourself, like reject the toy. Don't let yourself have it right away. Like that can be a fun, a fun sensation um, play activity for you. Next question, scary movies and sex. Why do you think there is such a strong crossover between fear and eroticism? So yeah, of course, you know, pain and pleasure are oftentimes hand in hand um, because they exude the same feelings and sensations and reactions in our brain. You know, I'm talking a lot about our brain today, but when we are in, when we are feeling scared, adrenaline is released, our body temperature goes up, our, our blood pressure goes up, and the same things happens when we're at the peak of arousal. Our, you know, our blood pressure raises, all of these chemicals and these endorphins are being released and our adrenaline is, is um, you know, going up and, and dopamine is released in the brain, which is just this pleasure feeling that is also released during pain. And so, of course, these things are seen so closely together often is because the area of the brain is, it's the same area of the brain, this reward center and this epicenter of pleasure that I've discussed and mentioned earlier. There's just all these fireworks going off. So it makes complete sense why these things are so correlated or so often seen next to each other. You know, the adrenaline and the dopamine and just the, the response of the brain is so similar. So yeah, I think that is why there's just this strong crossover between fear and eroticism. And I think that will continue to happen. <laughs> and um, yeah, similarly to, you know, the BDSM world and the kinky community too, pain and pleasure, I find those to be very similar to fear and eroticism. You know, there's just this dichotomy of it that makes it also beautiful. And I think a lot of us really, um, physically on our body feel similar sensations when we exude when pain is exuded versus when pleasure is happening so it just makes so much sense why why that would happen okay now next i have so many questions on size is black really bigger do you think stereotypes are true asian being small black being big and white being in the middle have you noticed any racial snap slash ethnic differences when it comes to penis size, or is that just a myth? Does size really matter, or is it important for your? Is it really important for you and other women? <laughs> so, these topics on size, these questions about size, 
I think all of it is so broad and we as a human species have evolved so much. We are all just this woven cloth that's becoming so much broader and more intricate and more evolved. And so, no, I don't really think that these ethnic differences or these stereotypes that people think are actually true. I can speak from my experience that I have been with a lot of black men and yeah, on average, they are above average. I've seen maps of the world where certain geographical locations that are higher, um, that have a higher percentage in certain ethnic groups, maybe based off of some, you know, poll taken or, um, then, then there is some truth and validity to those facts. But I think a lot of those things are very outdated. And I think a lot of us have so many different ethnicities in us. And I think basing our size or the way that our vulva looks is just so silly. And I don't think we need to be doing that anymore. Um, I will say the largest penis I've ever seen was actually a white guy. So, so yeah, I think that those stereotypes are outdated and I think we're all just very unique in who we are. And, and I don't really think there's a generalization between certain ethnic groups. Like I just, I just don't believe that anymore. (laughs) It's silly to think that certain people based on the color of their skin have a certain size. It's kind of like saying like certain women have bigger boobs than others, like maybe a generalization again, that could be true. Um, but I do think that that's a generalization. I don't really think that that should be something you think about when you look at someone, um, because they are unique and that's, that's really what I think we should accept is just that everyone is unique and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and then does size matter or is it important for you or women? I think, you know, size is not very important. I think there's so many things like you should never be insecure for being too big or insecure for being too small. You know, everyone, depending on the size or the thickness, you are able to experience and enjoy. And there's so many other toys now that you can that you can involve in, in the bedroom. So, so yeah, I think just like penises are all so different, vulvas are also so different too. Some are wider, some are tighter, some are bigger. You know, it just doesn't really matter. I think all of us are so different. We all have unique preferences. So yeah, maybe finding that, that right one for you long-term is great. But I, yeah, I am not a size queen like some people are. Um, I don't really think size matters. I think there's so many different techniques and ways to use your body and to feel pleasure. And so I don't think you should ever be focused on the size. I think that there's there's a lot of ways to experience pleasure and and learn about the body. If if your partner is sore, then you know figure out another way to please her. So I think it just leads to more growth and awareness, and I think that's just really important for connections in general. So, so no, to answer your question, I don't really think size matters. I think it's something that we need to just forget about. We're all unique and beautiful the way that we are. Have you ever met someone with a wedgie fetish? No, actually, never. <laughs> a wedgie fetish. Have you played around with male chastity before, especially as a key holder? No, that is something I've never done. As someone who considers themselves to be a sex fetishist, what is one fetish that you are interested in but have yet to explore? You know, I talk about this in my last AMA episode. 
I'll link that here. But um, yeah, and I mentioned consensual non-consent. But in general, I think role-playing is something that I just haven't done a lot of and would love to explore more of. Sometimes I like to put on a wig and and be a little bit different or be a little bit more bratty or naughty and, and kind of take on a different persona. But I've never fully like mapped out a scene. And I feel like that would be really fun because I am a writer and because I like creative thinking up creative things. So I think it would be really fun to experience more role play. Hmm. Have you ever kicked a man in the balls? Tell your stories. <laughs> no, I have never done that. Actually. I, I don't, I've never hit anybody. Um, yeah, I, I've never kicked a man in the balls. Sorry. I don't have any stories for you. <laughs> How can I meet you? I want to explore my kinks with you. Oh, thank you. You know, I'll probably do a meet and greet eventually, or maybe when my book comes out, do some book readings. But um, I'm right now, I'm in a committed relationship. I'm not looking to explore with anyone, but I'm flattered. Thank you. Um, are you available for in-person companionship? Again, no. Um, I am available for coaching, though. So please let me know if you're curious about in-person or online coaching. I am available for that. When is your book coming out? I can't wait to read it. Yeah, speaking of my book, um, my book, I, you know, last year I spent a lot of time on it and that's when I finished my first like complete draft. Um, but this year, unfortunately, but fortunately, you know, this whole brand is, is a part of my book and building a following and building people that are interested in me. But I haven't really been writing. I haven't really been editing. I have some character um, development and, and fixing that I need to do. And so that's been kind of every time I go back in there, that's what I've been working on. And so I just need to run through it again and, um, and finalize some things. But I really need to carve out a day a week. And that's my New Year's resolution is to carve out a day a week where I focus on my book. <laughs> so I'm working on that. I appreciate you guys keep asking me about it and I appreciate the support about my writing. It is what started this whole thing. And so I will, you will be the first to know when it comes out, I promise, or when it's available, <laughs> I promise. And then I have some compliments, so thank you. You're the best, love how sweet you are on your YouTube. Thank you for being so vulnerable, thank you. My parents really like you, thank you. My best friend thinks you're so cute, thank you. You know what? I think I'm actually gonna end on that note. Um, yeah, I, and save the best, <laughs> save the rest for next time. But thank you so much for all the questions. I really appreciate you guys. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful holiday season and I'm looking forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you so much for being so sweet and for welcoming all those sweet releases. I love you guys, much love. Talk soon. Oh, <laughs>